This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host for today, Nikolai Zikolko, co-director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management and a professor of management here at Wharton. Uh, just a reminder, we are live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and the show replays a few times throughout the week. Now, if you have any comments or questions during today's call, please give us a call. Uh, the phone lines are open at one eight four four Wharton. That is one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Uh, coming up in the second half of today's show, I'll be joined by Steve Goldbach, uh, principal at Deloitte Consulting, who also serves as the organization's chief strategy officer. Now, he's the co-author of a new book called Detonate, Why and How Corporations Must Blow Up Best Practices and Bring a Beginner's Mind to Survive. Um, but first, uh, I'm thrilled to welcome now Charity Hardwick, uh, the newly appointed president of the wireless speaker manufacturer Soundcast. Charity, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you and, and your community there. Wonderful. Um, maybe let's start out with what does Soundcast do? Tell us a bit about the company. Tell us a little bit about the history of the company. I'd love to, especially on the topic of innovation, which is your focus. Mm -hmm. Soundcast was actually started over a decade ago by a band of engineers who were innovators themselves. So uh, this particular company, the parent aspect of the company was uh, basically an OEM developer and supplier of speakers and, and wired systems for the home, which is, of course, we've seen that in the home for a long time. But they got together and they said, well, we have outdoor issues where people want to have outdoor audio, but they don't mm -hmm. have an opportunity to be able to wire that. We have partners in Europe. You, you can't run wires through the walls and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And they thought, what, well, what can we do? And what kind of attributes would it take to create something that would be uh, a solution? Yeah. And so uh, they basically developed this all-in-one speaker idea with a down-firing subwoofer and uh, – and uh, amplification and omnidirectional array speakers in order to achieve a full outdoor sound. Mm -hmm. But this was back before Bluetooth connections. This was back before uh, Sonos or any mm -hmm. wireless mm -hmm. systems for the house. So they were actually first to market with this brand new idea and, uh, and created a transmitter that would basically extend the audio from the indoor of the home to the outdoor home on a proprietary wireless system. So they were first to market with that. And what we are now as Soundcast, the company was purchased three years ago by an outdoor uh, goods company that mm. really heavily invests in new technology and ideas and smaller companies that are bringing new ideas to light. So when they purchased the company, we went back to the marketing uh, aspect of this and we started really refocusing this idea that they had originated with. Uh, for instance, you know, there's other companies out now that say, oh, we're first to market with 360-degree audio, but we've been doing this for over a decade. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely innovation. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and now we're in our next life. Now we've created a whole new set mm -hmm. of, of products that are problem solvers too. Great. Um, so clearly you're not the only one out there. <laughs> so what, <laughs> no, are, what, what are, you know, some of the competitors you already mentioned Sonos, but they may be more inside. You have Bose, you know, mm -hmm. who, who are sort of the key competitors that you're worrying about or thinking about? 
You know, it's interesting uh, because at this time in the market, there still isn't anything that directly compares or competes with us, although there is mind share space, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. There's market share. So uh, let's let's speak about Sonos, for instance, or a Heos or uh, an integrated home wireless system. None of those companies have any experience with history or any current products on the market that address the unique problems of outdoor audio. Mm-hmm. That includes rain, snow, blistering heat, and the elements that are that basically we have exposure to in the outdoors in the wireless arena Mm -hmm. and no one's no one's creating that we have long life battery that we've been working on again for over a decade getting it right figuring out how to regulate power how to deliver batteries that last for a very long time so you can continually use this as a fixture in the outdoors and not be worried about charging it the way you do small Bluetooth devices, mm-hmm. you know, every couple hours or so. Mm-hmm. So we've we've basically created a niche for ourselves as an outdoor company with high performance, mm-hmm. really focused on the audio experience. So you don't have to yep. sacrifice anything when you go outdoors. Mm-hmm. No, as so a, in that mm-hmm. regard, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as a, as a strategy guy, that's what I'm actually doing in my day job, right? I'm teaching strategy. Um, I'm always fascinated by uh, kind of these, these stories of firms really focusing, right, on a particular customer segment or on a particular customer need and that allowing them to do certain things that maybe more general competitors are not able to do. So can you maybe just pursue that a little bit further, right? So if you're saying, okay, we are yeah. focusing really sort of on the outdoor market, wireless outdoor market, right? Sort of what are some of the choices that you've been able to make by focusing on that that maybe others will have a hard time replicating? Well, I, I, one of the things I really talk about with the Soundcast model is we're, we're not the kind of company. We choose to be a small-focused company. We choose to do what we do really well. If you get into a larger company, um, if we were to name drop JBL or Bose mm-hmm. or, or those sites of company, if they wanted to enter our arena, they would have to sacrifice a lot of things that they really value, which is huge, huge marketing budgets and huge, huge um, – huge, huge profitability margins because we, we're we really less concerned about making huge profits on a single unit. Mm-hmm. And that gives us the flexibility and, free, uh, and freedom to use premium components in order to achieve our acoustical goals mm-hmm. that other companies, when they get into large, uh, large arenas, they really sacrifice. You have to sacrifice something mm-hmm. when you get that big. And for us, we have the luxury by focusing on the outdoor, specifically the outdoor market, and in the idea of of uh, being weather resistant while providing good audio and having, um, you know, uh, rugged, ruggedized sort of aesthetic, so you can take it and transit with you. That allows we know who our customer is down to the ground. We know what they mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. We know how old they are. We know what they do, and and it's all about listening. It's all about going back to in any time you're going to do this, going back to find out who's under service. And for us, being a smaller company, that's a good enough market for us. Yeah. We don't need to be a billion-dollar company. That's not my goal. I have no, you know, I have mm-hmm. no uh, plan towards doing that. But we want to provide uh, a solution to a need in the market that is perhaps a little lower on the radar for mm-hmm. companies that are looking for big plays. Yeah, because it sort of really raises the question, right, how do you survive as a small player, right? Particular, if I think about this as a technology area, I could imagine there is some R&D involved, right? And size matters, right? <laughs> if you can amortize, <laughs> your, amortize your R&D dollars over lots of units, right? That's easier than doing yep. it over a few units. So, so yep. how, how are you able sort of to kind of establish yourself and, and survive as a small player? 
Well, we are lucky in that we've been doing this for over a decade. So Mm -hmm. we do have inherited um, knowledge and engineering that's been um, a slow growth in the collective um, proprietary knowledge that we've achieved over time. So in that case, we've had the luxury of not having to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. or put a significant amount of R&D and engineering efforts into trying to solve problems we've already solved over the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's been a slow ramp up when it comes to intelligence, when it comes to uh, engineering, and when it comes to R&D. Even people in the audio space coming to solve this problem or someone who's coming into this space from portable electronics but not dealt with the audio aspect Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. it, they still have multiple years of ramp up of getting it wrong before they get it right. And Soundcast had the same journey. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. Soundcast had many tweaks and tweaks along the way. So I just think having been innovative so early in time before the idea of wireless audio and before Bluetooth speakers were even invented – has allowed us to have a competitive advantage as a small company that with any other small company starting right now would be uh, quite a yeah. quite a hurdle mm-hmm. to overcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you were, I mean, when you first started out uh, telling us kind of the story of the origins of, of, of Soundcasted, I was a little bit reminded a little bit of uh, the Newton, right? So it was also a great idea, mm-hmm. but ahead of its time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so you were saying, right, sort of when we, uh, you know, created this, actually there wasn't that much of the infrastructure available for, like, transmitting, right, mm-hmm. that that that, uh, that data. But, but somehow you made it possible, right, through a proprietary right. network. So how much did really kind of, you just mentioned this, you know, since we were in that business that really helped us in the new business, how much of that knowledge was really transferable? Or, or was it just more kind of general knowledge of, of being, in that in that space well for us we have a unique value proposition it's outdoor Mm -hmm. plus it's really fantastic audio that quite provides thunderous huge outdoor sound especially in the power portable area so those two things we didn't need help with so the Mm -hmm. only thing that we started our r&d and our work on was really how that connection method or the preferred connection method is Mm -hmm. evolving What's going to be the trend? What are consumers going to be adopting? Mm-hmm. Um, what we have figured out as far as a critical um, pivot point for us is that there are too many proprietary wireless connections mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Too, there are too many 2.4 gigahertz proprietary <laughs> right. yeah. wireless connections. And then what? You got a 5 gigahertz after that. Okay, so if that's the case, when we go back to marketing, this is where we need to do the mind shift. When mm-hmm. it comes to innovation, unless you are a company willing to spend, willing to be a billion-dollar company and willing to spend the first three years, 80% of your income in marketing and education, don't come out with an innovative technology that's going to require the re-educated, mm-hmm. uh, re-education of the market. Yeah, yeah unless you're willing to spend that dollars. The best thing to do when you're coming to market is to look and see what has the highest acceptance is around midline or above midline adoption that people understand and and figure out how to leverage that. So Mm -hmm. that's actually why we pivoted into our mainline being supported with Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And how can you take that and innovate on top of Bluetooth? So what we did with our Bluetooth is Bluetooth has its – limitations um, on range, let's Mm -hmm. say, right? Mm -hmm. So what we can do as engineers with our acumen is go back into it and go, how can we bolster range? Mm -hmm. How can we make this an extra value proposition? So 
so what we did is we went into, let's say, the VG7, and we integrated, uh, integrated an extended range antenna that runs through the handle that looks like, mm. a, you know, it's mm-hmm. part of the design yeah, for yeah. weight balancing. Mm, cool. mm-hmm. But by doing that, we've achieved over 150 feet in range mm-hmm. from just your handheld portable device. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to leverage existing technology in a, in a way that makes sense. So no one has to be retrained on how to how to listen to their music. They That's how they want to listen to it because that's how they're used to listening to it. Yeah. So we're not saying, hey, do this differently. We're saying, how can we make that experience you're accustomed to? You keep doing what you're doing, and we're going to provide you something that exceeds your expectations. So you just talked right about, about innovations. Um, so where have been the big innovations, let's say, of the last 10 or 15 years? Is it mainly in the transmission part, less so in the speaker itself, or are there also improvements on the speaker itself? Well, our company has pivoted a bit when it comes to um, onboard uh, firmware and EQ regulations. We have really kind of beefed up our ability to control and configure the audio experience and have really focused on developing this, um, the idea of uh, a few technologies that are available that we've been able to move forward with and incorporate. TWS pairing, which is true wireless stereo pairing. So now all of our units can speak to each other Mm, and they can mm -hmm. work uh, interchangeably between the lines. So if someone wants to have one of our speakers indoor, which we find out 80% of our users actually bring it indoor anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they want to do that, let them play that indoor. And when it's paired to the other speaker in the outdoor, it's all going to be in sync. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that we did because people want a couple of options. But, you know, um, there's, there's people out there that say, well, what about four speakers? What about six speakers? But our marketing intel tells us that people don't generally pair more than two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's part of, you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. (laughs) <laughs> so that's one of well, that's one of the aspects yeah. of it. Like I mentioned before, um, the Bluetooth component. Bluetooth is also something that works with everything. Our speaker can be easily, and I use my VG7 at home paired to my Alexa. Mm-hmm. So by that way, we just do whole home audio control. It plays everywhere, and it's also paired to the VG7, yeah. and it it just extends that and, and creates that and that same network. It's working with Alexa. Same way, we've also we also, because of this, created a transmitter that can be put into the back of any legacy piece, any receiver, anywhere, anything with an audio out, um, whether that's the uh, connect from the Sonos or the hub uh-huh. or anything like that. You simply just connect a $99 module, and this can throw the signal 150 feet, 250 into the outdoors and connect to that VG7. So it's now a seamless integration with the whole home indoor wireless system, yeah. too. So you've mentioned so, the VG7 a couple of times. Just for our listeners, can you maybe tell us a little bit about what the VG7 is? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, so VG7 is our largest unit on the market. It stands 19 inches tall and has 150-foot uh, range to it. Mm-hmm. It has clean, distortion-free sound in a 360-degree audio array. So we have speakers that point in every single di- uh, direction where the cone has been specifically created so that there's no kind of white noise on the corners. It's, it has a nice dispersion of sound. It's triamplified, and it has a down-firing subwoofer. Mm-hmm. This puppy can fill 
kill an entire regular suburban back doors and probably get you complaints from the neighbors. Yeah. But yet... <laughs> Be careful, right? Yes, uh-huh. yes. And it's a perfect piece to extend any indoor wireless solution uh-huh. into the out of doors seamlessly. Right. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nikolai Zikulko, and I'm speaking with Charity Hardwick, the president of wireless speaker manufacturer Soundcast. Now, Charity, um, so we've talked a bit about technology. We talked about how to survive as a small player. Um, another thing that, of course, has sort of happened right now is uh, retail distribution, right? Is undergoing a mm. big, uh, big uh, change from mm. uh, kind of more to online. How is kind of your distribution system working, and have you been affected given kind of the customers that that you are looking for? You know, it's interesting that you bring this up because uh, our speakers that we create, the the sound output from them is almost beyond the comprehension of an average listener. Mm -hmm. They can't believe that they can own a speaker that's portable, that has a super long life battery, that does all this stuff, and it's as loud as it is, and it sounds as good as it Mm -hmm. does, and it doesn't distort. That is a unique problem and a uh, unique challenge that we're facing because right now what we have to do is pivot and we have to continue to support the demo experience Mm -hmm. because it's the demo that sells the product. I don't believe, like some people do, that we're going to lose retail altogether, but we do need to understand that certain specialty AV um, stores are going to be shrinking. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen a lot of that happening. We're partnering with with customers. So we went back to our marketing, and it, it, this is something you have to commit to. We spent nine months doing this when, mm-hmm. when the company shifted owners. Um, but we go back to our market every single year, and we revisit the information, and it's just simple and needed questions. Here's a product. Where would you go buy this? Mm-hmm. Who would you talk to to go buy this? And we just, as a manufacturer, you have to be willing to, to support that. You have to look at who your regional players are. Who's doing the demo really well? This comes down to the salesperson on the floor. Mm-hmm. I think I think sales is a lost art, too. Yeah. I think part of the reason we're seeing uh, retail shrinking isn't just the price point. It's the value of the salesperson in the retail store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what kind of sales are being – are the person truly educated? So part of our job coming along t- uh, alongside retail is to make sure they're fully educated, to make sure they own the product, yeah, to make sure yeah. they're fans of the product, because it's, the, it's, it's that experience that sells, mm-hmm. that sells it on the retail floor. Now, do we need to be on Amazon? Absolutely. We're on Amazon. You can buy our mm-hmm. product on Amazon. But we have very kind of draconian um, <laughs> agreements in place with people who are allowed to do so. And you and it takes a whole arm of monitoring and mm-hmm. work to make sure that we keep a really high value proposition as yeah. a small company for these retailers right. as well. So let's turn a little bit inside Soundcast uh, and think about the sort of innovation process that's inside uh, your company. Um, how do you, let's say, master innovation, given that's the title of our show, uh, inside inside your organization? Well, I, I think at the very um, at the very beginning, you have to be surrounded by people who are willing to have true conversations, honest conversations, right? Because if you want to master innovations, you have to be able to answer questions, good and bad. You have to be transparent and honest with your company. So if you're in there and you're saying, um, hey, this is working or this isn't working. This needs a solution or isn't a solution. You have to be willing to listen. 
and that's how you have to start. I think we need to explore things. If something's not working, we need to be willing to let it go and move forward. Mm-hmm. And and under kind of under my helm, that has been my messaging um, internally and with with our representative partners. Mm-hmm. It's it's really all about exploration, and I encourage mistakes. Mm-hmm. Please make mistakes. If you're making mistakes, you're innovating. If you're making mistakes, you're looking into the issue or you're trying to expand your understanding or you're trying to expand mm-hmm. what we're doing or you're trying to solve a problem. I want to be about solving problems. Yep. And if that results in innovation, then great. But uh, like I said before, we don't innovate just to innovate. We want to solve problems. And if that requires innovation, mm-hmm. then we're going to put our heads together and make sure that happens. Yeah. And, of course, we don't want to do mistakes just to make mistakes, but we want to learn from those mistakes. Right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I guess the, uh... in, that sense, in that sense, you know, um, business has really shifted. Um, you know, um, under the re- you know, e- even if I look at my mentors, they, they grew up in a business model where the boss is the boss and they're the leader. And, you know, you're, everybody's kind of feeding into that leader mentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's just changed. It's changed with the millennials coming into the job market yep. right now. It's changed with how we value things things um, um, collectively as a team. And it really is about team innovation. What I like to say to my team is that you are masters. You are masters of your job. And in fact, when I, when I, when I put my org chart on the board, I said, okay, here's the org chart. I actually did an inverse pyramid. I'm at the bottom of this org chart because they are the ones interfering. uh, interfering. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's my job. That's right. uh, (laughs) They're the ones that are interacting with our, with our partners and our customers Mm -hmm. and they are job masters. And we are all here at various levels to support that. And at the end of the day, um, I'm there to kind of just evaluate the output of that and see if that lives up to our company goals mm-hmm. and standards and our products goals and standards. Yeah. You know. Is it like a concrete example you could give our listeners to, uh, you know, one of those mistakes or learning opportunities that you went through? Well, maybe not a concrete example, but just in the general um, uh-huh. side of things, you know, we have like a, maybe a customer support recovery program going mm-hmm. on where mm-hmm. a customer calls in and they're very upset about something. In the past, if that happened, well, then it would be escalated, right? The person at the cu- the customer level would say, oh, well, uh, this happened. I'm, I'm sorry to hear this happened. I'm sorry you're displeased whether it's our fault or not. You know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, yep. we're here to listen. So they do that. And then, and then it would just be escalated up the food chain. Well, do this or don't do this and go back to them. And, and what I have done with the, con- uh, with the, like the customer service, Services said, listen, give them, solve the problem, mm-hmm. solve the problem and tell us what you did. Sometimes, you know, I have a very generous person here in the office and he might have <laughs> like given away the farm on that one. But, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'd much rather that that the employee erred on on the side of the consumer Mm-hmm. And, and on the side yep. of the recovery of our reputation mm-hmm. and protected our reputation and our brand and the experience that that consumer is having, then a few a few dollars here and there yeah. Yeah. when it comes to the recovery process. So, Good. Um, Jody, maybe you can talk a little bit about your own sort of career trajectory. Um, you served in the military, you had several jobs, and then you became president of SoundCloud all in one straight line, right? It's well, all one straight line, right? So, so you know, it's so funny. Yeah, until I took the job at Soundcast, I I was not I I had for the life of me couldn't figure out how in the world all this would come together. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought, okay, how does how does my background in high finance 
and putting together synergy, uh, synergies of deals and, 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 and acquisitions and mergers and, and how is that going to dovetail with design and art direction and how is that going to dovetail with uh, outdoor sporting goods? for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into consumer electronics. And how would that all to come, you know, how would that all come together? Um, and at the end of the day, um, it sometimes you just end up where you end up. And it's if you have a thirst for answers, and I think that's how I ended up where I did. Mm-hmm. Just because once you know whatever it is you know, it just seems like I had more questions. Mm-hmm. And I think innovation comes out of what ifs. What if? Mm-hmm. What if? Mm-hmm. Why? 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 And, and, and that's how my career trajectory ended up. And now I'm the president of Soundcast and I'm overseeing, you know, the marketing and sales and, and financial aspects. I mean, the company was part of an acquisition. There's other activities of our owners as well. And I was in outdoor sporting goods. And now I, you know, I brought in my understanding of, of, you know, the plastics and manufacturing process mm-hmm. and all that stuff mm-hmm. from the outdoor. So, Marrying that with the consumer electronics to create an outdoor-specific consumer electronics product, and by the way, having a high interest in physics, I can splice optical wire for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how in the world. So yeah. understanding the physics, understanding waveform, understanding that allows me to be a very hands-on, um, you know, support system. Because mm-hmm. I understand, I can understand product developing and engineering uh, meetings, and I, I I sit in on them. Yeah. So. Well, oh, that, that leads right. to the next question, and probably the answer is there is no typical. But how does your typical day look like? Because <laughs> you just there mentioned no like typical. a <laughs> – Exactly, right? Uh, it just sounded like an amazing array of things from uh, deciding <laughs> plastics to splicing optical yep. cable. Um, yeah. Right, right. Well, I don't my, – my optical splicing uh, cable uh, – Days are is, over. Days are a okay. bit behind me. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I left that at Tektronix, yeah. but – uh-huh. Um, you know, it depends. I'm, I am here to support, like I said before, I'm the bottom of the pyramid. So I am here to support and I'm, I'm blessed with having, you know, the background that allows me to support uh, each one of these departments in the fullest way that I can. So mm-hmm. one day I might be spending four and a half hours on the phone um, with our partners in the UK and discussing mark, mark, marketing and uh, sales Yep. channel strategy over there and the next day i'll be in, in an engineering development meeting deciding about a keypad revision you know mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. so um yeah it's exciting and it feeds i i have a bit of a kind of wanderlust side to me and a creative side mm-hmm, to me so mm-hmm, yeah i find it very fulfilling to be able to stay hands-on and that's my attraction to small companies mm-hmm, is, is mm-hmm. being able to to do something, to make decisions, and and see a result from it, it's it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Now, uh, the the grim statistic that I saw was that in the audio industry, women make only up five percent of the overall sector. Um, less, maybe, but yeah. even less, right? So, so yeah. there are probably some some special experiences that you've had, and uh, what you know, what is sort of some advice you can give, right, uh, to other women who are trying to break into these areas that are still amazingly dominated by, uh, by men. Yeah. I like to share a little story. Um, so I, I have a strong technical side to me, so I, I understand the products fully. Uh, I like going to, uh, one of my favorite things just to keep it real, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my little evangelism from day to day. Yep. I like going to trade shows okay. and my favorite people in the world to talk to are specialty integrators. 
and the reason I like talking to specialty integrators, because by nature, they're technically minded people. And mm -hmm. one of the fun games they play with manufacturers is they like to interface with them and they like to ask them challenging integration questions mm -hmm. or deep dive into specifics or um, attributes of particular, you know, aspects of the, of the yeah. product, right? So uh, a lot of times um, I've been in the booth and I've had special interactions where being a female, I'm automatically assumed to be uh, well, they call it booth babes, but <laughs> they assume <laughs> mm -hmm, they, they, mm -hmm. they assume you to be a, a hostess yep, or, or yep. a greeter or someone. So I, I enjoy standing there next to my very learned and respected colleagues who are male uh, in the thing and, and have them ask questions. And, and when, when the colleague I'm with turns to me, my male colleague turns mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. me and said, uh, and I answer the question. Mm-hmm. I love it's a slow uptake, but I love the reaction. <laughs> yep. I love the reaction because their eyes get wide, their eyebrows go up, and then there's that split second where they realize that's happening and they try to recover very quickly. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. listen, I know you're surprised. <clears throat> Let's mm -hmm. talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah, I yeah. know you're surprised uh -huh. that I'm a female and that I'm learned and I'm, you know, yeah. I have a an, an engineering or product understanding. My advice to women coming up in this field is, don't view that surprise. Because if you're wanting to get into the field, then you have interest in the field. Yeah. Don't view a surprise as a negative. It's an opportunity to educate. Mm -hmm. And every woman that has come before you has, has, has worked harder in this, and every woman that comes behind you is going to work a little less. So we're, we're just part yeah. of that, that yeah. understanding going forward. Interesting. Now, you've mentioned uh, a lot kind of the, the team that you're working with, the people around, and you put yourself on the bottom of that uh, pyramid. Um, <laughs> what are you looking for in people who, who work at, at Soundcast? You know, what, what are the key skills and attributes that, that you think are important? You know, um, I believe that when it comes to company process and procedures and, and um you know, the, the technical day-to-day uh, -day operational aspects, that is a learned behavior. And that's mm -hmm. unique to each company, and you can teach anybody that. Um, you can teach someone how to do their job, but you can't teach them to care. Mm -hmm. And for me, I would rather be surrounded by people who cared, who cared about delivering on, on, on our core company values, which is great customer service, professionalism, and fun. Mm -hmm. Those are those are our three written bylaws, you know, for our company. <laughs> yep. Great customer service, professionalism, and fun, and that means being professional and communicative and responsive. People that want to um, respond, people that want to work collectively and in a transparent environment. Because, like I said before, it's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Don't repeat them too many times, yep. but it's okay to make <laughs> mistakes. You right. know. Um, and so I'm, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by people who have been doing this for a number of years, people who have the desire to learn and grow in uh, capabilities. And we have a lot of multi-hat wearing people on the team. And I think mm -hmm. you'll see that in any well-run smaller yeah. company. Wonderful. What a great note to end on. Charity, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. All so right. we need to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'll be joined by Steve Goldbach, a principal at Deloitte Consulting and the co-author of the new book, Detonate, Why and How Corporations Must Blow Up Best Practices and Bring a Beginner's Mind to Survive. Uh, this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. I'll be right back. 
For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.